And now for something completely different. Ah! Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show with Lance Roberts. Presented by RIA Advisors. Hey, good morning and welcome to the show. It's, uh, of course, Monday as uh, we get into this week. It is also February the 13th. So my daily public service announcement today and tomorrow is don't forget Valentine's Day tomorrow. Uh, swing by any Kroger's parking lot if you live in the Houston area, big white tent. Just grab some flowers and, and get those to the house. So that's my public service announcement for you. Um, so apparently we really need to fix technology. This is this, this whole you know, phone auto-correct thing mm -hmm. needs to get fixed. What'd you break? Well, you know, so last night was the Super Bowl. Yeah. So I text my son that, you know, I was picking the uh, Eagles by three, but it was auto-correct. I meant the Chiefs by three. So of course, I, I told my son it was an auto-correct mistake. He still right. owes me money. Yeah. So yeah, he's not buying it, but. <laughs> <laughs> so you had a bet on the game. Well, just between a friendly just, wager, just, just between me and my son, because yeah. he's a he's a huge Chiefs fan. So, right. well, he's actually I shouldn't say he's a huge Chiefs fan. He's a Pat Mahomes fan. Okay. So yeah. Right. So that's. So what do you owe him? Uh, dinner. So, <laughs> <laughs> which I always pay for anyway. So I really didn't. I really did lose much. It's, it's, a it's moot not bet. like it's not like he has any money anyway. Right. So, you know, he's a broke college kid. Uh, Anyway, so over the weekend, of course, uh, just uh, apparently we're having an alien invasion because, you know, we're shooting down objects left and right. Now, apparently the southern border doesn't matter, but the no. northern border, yeah. you know, we shoot everything down. But, you know, my wife's sitting around this weekend going, you know, what's going on here? You know, my wife has, has she's, she keeps changing professions on me, you oh? know. Yeah, like two months ago. She was like a murder detective, you know, in this whole Idaho state murder, you know, situation with the college students. Right. Now she's now she's an astro, you know, astrophysicist trying to figure out, you know, what's flying around, you know, what, what planet are we getting attacked from now? So I never know from week to week what profession that my wife is in. But next week, she'll be a fighter pilot. Could be. This, this could be the case. Yeah. I did ask her this morning. I said, whatever happened with the murder? She goes, oh, I got tired of that one. <laughs> so, we know how it ends. I know. But she's all over, she's all over this flying object thing. So oh, yeah. if there's anything there, she'll crack this case, let me tell you. <laughs> anyway, a uh, couple of things to talk about this week. Our newsletter, of course, on the website uh, this morning talking about the, well, the markets because that's what we do in the bull bear report every weekend. But it's on the website. Simply go to realinvestmentadvice.com. Just click on the insights newsletter. Uh, it's all there for you. But basically just talking a little bit about the markets. And, you know, the, the problem is, uh, you know, I shouldn't say it's, it's really a problem. Uh, markets are improving. Right. I mean, when you take a look at, you know, things such as, you know, investor sentiment, it is markedly improved. We have a composite fear greed index that is very different than the CNN fear greed index. Our index measures positioning. So how are investors positioned? Are they mostly are they fearful or are they mostly in cash and fixed income? Or are they more bullish? No, are they buying equities? And, and clearly that is improving. Uh, retail investors have, have had a sharp increase in equity allocations, a big reduction in cash. 
professional investors are back to some of the more bullish levels that we've seen really, uh, you know, prior, even prior to the peak of January 2022. I mean, since then, we have not seen professional investors this optimistic about stocks or at least this allocated to equity. So, you know, when you take a look at the markets, despite the fact that there's still a lot of concern about a recession and, you know, uh, the Fed hiking interest rates, and all the markets saying, well, oh, we don't care. And uh, markets continue to allocate accordingly. So, again, you know, this is, this is one of those things that we've got to be careful of. Sometimes the markets are telling us a different thing than what we think. And so sometimes we have to listen to the markets. However, we do have a sell signal on the market triggered on Friday. Um, we'll see what the markets can do with this today. If the markets can rally from here, now we're sitting right on top of the 20-day moving average. Now on Friday, the market sold off and we actually bounced off that 20-day moving average on Friday. So there's a real possibility here that the markets could rally today a bit, you know, kind of coming off this 20-day uh, moving average. But again, the, the big kind of magnet for the market right now is going to be the 50-day moving average, which is right around 4,000 on that index with the money flow indicator uh, you know, already triggered as well as the MACD indicator. You know, it's going to take a pretty substantial rally to flip those back to positive. It can do that. But um, given that these signals are trading at a pretty high level, it suggests that upside to the market, even if that occurs, the upside to the market is fairly limited right now. And the last half of February tends to be a bit weaker. Um, we're wrapping up earnings season. So, you know, pretty much we have a few companies announcing uh, today. This week is going to get much lighter. Um, pretty much by the end of next week, we're going to be done with earnings season. So that whole kind of catalyst of news flow to help kind of drive stocks uh, higher is going to start to wane here a bit over the next couple of weeks. Economic data is going to start to kind of slow down here a bit. Now, the big report this week, of course, is CPI. Everybody's going to be watching CPI. So if that inflation number on CPI comes in weaker than expected, obviously, then that's going to be bullish for asset prices and the market could certainly see a pop on that news. Um, again, because if it's weaker, that means the Fed may have to stop hiking rates. And of course, this goes back to the whole, hey, Fed's going to pivot thing. Um, if it comes in hotter than expected, which there is a risk of this, that, you know, that could push, uh, uh, you know, stock prices lower here near term, suggesting the Fed's going to have to be more aggressive. And given the employment number that we saw in January, yes, a lot of that was seasonal adjustments, but that combined with really a lot stronger uh, B of A out this morning, January credit card data usage was pretty strong in January, suggesting that you know we could see a little bit of an uptick uh, in inflationary pressures as consumer demand drives prices. Now, again, you know, we've talked about this before. Consumer confidence has been improving. Financial conditions have been easing. And this is the big, really, the challenge for the Fed, right? Because the Fed wants consumers to stop spending so much money but they keep spending money. They keep going further into debt right now to do it, but they're still spending money. And that is easing financial conditions. That is increasing consumer confidence. As the stock market rises, that gives them more confidence, right? Oh, things are better. My 401k's up, you know, my, my investment accounts are up. I can go spend a little bit of money that I didn't think I was gonna be able to. That puts an inflationary pressure back into the economy. So this is the one thing that, that this week, the kind of the CPI number is going to be watched very closely. Um, if you take a look, and, and we actually put a chart out on Twitter this morning showing our three measures of inflation, which is core CPI, regular headline CPI, and then CPI less 
energy, uh, sorry, uh, less rent and healthcare. Now, why is that? For most individuals, your rent and healthcare are fixed for at least a contractual period, right? Every year you re-up for your healthcare benefits at work and that rate comes out of your paycheck for the rest of the year. It doesn't vary a whole lot during the year. Um, rent, mortgages, those are pretty fixed. If you've got a 30 year mortgage, that payment doesn't change for 30 years as long as you don't re refinance your mortgage. Your rent, you're in for 12, 18 months, whatever it is, that rent doesn't change. When we extract those out, inflation has actually fallen. So what consumers actually spend money on um, from week to week, month to month has fallen sharply. So that also, that easing inflationary pressure on what consumers actually spend uh, from a day-to-day, week-to-week basis has declined, which is also leading to this increased consumption because well, they've got a little bit extra money to spend. So these are the things kind of watch right now. Uh, markets are doing okay, nothing wrong here. Again, watch this 4,000 level on the S&P. That's going to be important. Got a lot more stuff to get into this morning, so stick around. More of the Real Investment Show coming up right here. Realinvestmentadvice.com. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. We teach our kids the alphabet and all the colors, too. But raising our kids to be money smart is really up to you. Our next RIA Lunch and Learn will dwell upon this topic, because teaching kids to manage their coins puts money in their pockets. Join Ratliff and Rosso February 23rd for the How to Raise Money Smart Kids Lunch and Learn. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com. realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. Welcome back to the show this morning. So, uh, did you watch the Super Bowl last night? I did not. You did not. I'll tell you what. Best part of that show is Chris Stapleton. Really? Yes. He did I, I did see the, the video clip of that. Yeah, you did? Yeah. I mean, uh, absolutely phenomenal job. You know, every year there's always somebody that does the national anthem, and it's always a kind of a year where somebody's complaining about how they did it or whatever it was. You know, they didn't get it right. They forgot the words, you know, whatever. Chris Stapleton nailed it. Um, you know, just a phenomenal job. I mean, there was even some football players that were brought to tears over his rendition of the Star Spangled yeah, Banner. But saw that. absolutely terrific job by, by Chris Stapleton. They should they should make that into a music video and put that out. <laughs> so I, I think they should uh, just replay uh, Whitney Houston's rendition every year. For me, that's the that's the top of the stack. I don't know. This was pretty close. She, I, I agree with you. Whitney Houston did, did, has probably one of the best, but this is I have to admit this is probably right up there. Yeah. So it was definitely different. Yeah, it was it was good. Anyway, um, a couple of things this morning. Um, so again, just kind of talking a little bit about you know kind of where the markets are. You know, one of the big you know I'm writing an article right now called Conviction. And, you know, this is kind of one of the interesting, you know, aspects of the markets is that as investors, we tend to get convicted of a certain idea or a thesis. 
And I've just gotten a ton of emails lately that, you know, the, you know, absolutely convinced the economy is going into recession and the dollar is going to collapse. And, um, you know, I'm getting a lot of emails like, you know, I want to be in other currencies. I don't want to be in the U.S. dollar, which, you know, it's interesting because the dollar has been rallying as of late. And, and we've been talking about the fact that dollar was very oversold after last year and probably going to see a stronger dollar. And, you know, there's, there's reasons for that. The problem with conviction is that we start falling into a series of traps, psychological, behavioral traps, when we become convicted of an idea or a thesis. And the problem with conviction is, is that we begin to get a, a very closed-off view to the world. So we start to laser focus on this idea. I am convinced that we're going to have a, a big recession this year, or I'm convinced the dollar is going to go down, or I'm convinced that you know gold is going to go up in price, whatever. Pick, pick your conviction. But the problem with conviction is that we then get trapped into what we call confirmation bias. And we only start to seek out information that confirms our view. My wife is convinced that aliens are invading the planet. And as we shoot down these objects flying over Canada and Montana, you know, elsewhere, um, you know, she's seeking out information to support her view that uh, we're being in invaded by aliens. Which, trust me, I I'm all ready for that. I mean, just there there's enough nonsense going on in the world today. I need something new and entertaining. So <laughs> I've got plenty of guns. We're good, right? <laughs> We've been watching the series on uh, Showtime called The Last of Us. So, yeah, which is pretty interesting. It's about, you know, there's there's all these, you know, zombie movies. It's a zombie series, right? It's it's the end of the world zombies, but it, it's it's a fungus that invades humans, right? So I'm like, that could happen too. I'm good for that. <laughs> so, just don't get bit. You're fine. Is it like a giant athlete's foot infection? More or less, yeah. yeah okay, yeah. great. Yeah, <laughs> you know, just get a fungus, yeah. <laughs> takes over. The things that entertain us anymore. <laughs> I know, right? You need something. But the problem with conviction is, is again, it's confirmation bias. We we begin to focus only on the things that confirm our view, and if if the data or information or whatever doesn't confirm our view, we call it fake news, right? In theory. We just dismiss it, right? We just say, that's, I don't believe that, right? I think that's wrong for this reason or that reason. Now, look, when it comes to investing, there's, you know, you can be convicted or have a conviction about certain things. That's okay. But what you have to be able to do is to analyze the data and realize when your conviction is wrong. Now, I'm not saying that your conviction about anything is wrong right now. I'm not saying if you're convinced that we're going to have a recession this year, I'm not saying you're wrong. What I'm saying is that we have to be open to the idea that our conviction or our thesis is mistaken. You know, this is a lot of the problem that we have with a lot of the medical data that we've had over the last couple of years. We're now finding out that a lot of the things that we were told aren't really true. Right. So we were convinced of one one thing 
And now we're finding out that, well, maybe those weren't exactly correct. Same thing with financial data. Again, there's things that are happening within the markets right now that suggest that markets are becoming a lot more bullish. Now, the issue is why? What do the markets know that you don't? Or what do the markets think they know that you don't? And I'm not saying they do. But what I am saying is we have to at least pay attention to it. We at least have to be open to the idea that the market, which is this herd of people, it's this living, breathing organism, that in the event that living, breathing organism of people have latched onto some idea that invalidates your opinion, because here's the thing we have to be careful of. It doesn't really matter whether you're right or wrong. Again, I can have a conviction that if we have a recession, that means the markets have to go down markedly, and this has to occur, and that has to occur. Yes, that is historically what always happens. However, in the world that we live in today, right now, there are influences that are occurring that we haven't had in the markets before. Passive indexing. We've talked about the impact of that previously. Those can move that that movement can change market dynamics. You know, as we saw, you know, in 2022, markets were down about 20%. We had a correction. But never had the bear market that everybody was expecting, you know, down 30, 40, 50%, right? Because we still had all these flows that were going into passive indexes and passive ETFs that were keeping these things lifted higher. So the market's definitely putting money to work. As I was saying earlier, if you take a look at the American Association of Individual Investors, their asset allocations have increased sharply over the last, really, since October, October lows. Investor sentiment has improved. Professional investors are much have, have increased equity allocations a good bit. Do they know something that you don't? Well, we have to at least give our thesis room to analyze why are all these people getting a lot more bullish? Or am I right and they're all wrong? Or... Are they, or are they right about something? What am I missing? And this is why we have to be careful about conviction, because once we're convicted about a certain idea or a certain thesis, and we go all in on that, right? I don't want to have, you know, any, I don't want to be exposed to the U.S. dollar. I don't want to be, you know, I'm, I'm 100% long goal. Whatever, whatever your conviction is, right? Pick, pick your conviction. The problem with that is, is that if the market does something different than whatever your conviction is, then you lose money. And you either lose money by actually losing money, right? whatever asset class is, goes in the other direction of what you expected, or you lose out on opportunity, which is the same thing as losing money, because you could have made money, you didn't. 
And so this is why it's so hard to try to navigate markets and trying to analyze all this data that has a very conflicting viewpoint. And that's where we are right now. We have this very conflicting set of views that are going on economically and fundamentally. You know, there's plenty of case here that we're going to have a recession. Things are going to be pretty bad. You know, this is going to happen. That's going to happen. Stock market's giving you a totally different message right now. Now, again, maybe the market's wrong. Maybe this is all just a short-term repositioning. You know, if you read the data, there's a, a lot of uh, discussion about how this is just people that had sold everything back into Cibber, piling back into the markets now after the wash-sell rules have passed, and this will all fade again. And that could very well be the case. But when is it? At what point? How far does the market have to go before you sit there and go, oh, yeah, well, so maybe I was wrong about that. This is the problem with conviction. So the point of the article is to simply be careful about having a conviction about something specific. Because there's one other thing about the markets. Markets price in views and expectations. If everybody, and this was one of the problems last year, everybody was expecting a recession. And the market has priced that in. Everybody was expecting a huge decline in markets. Market priced that in. The markets respond to human behavior. And so we have to make sure that our conviction hasn't already been responded to by the behavior of the market as a whole. All right, quick break. We'll be back. More of the Real Investment Show coming right up. investment advice blog it's required reading for the informed investor catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com we teach our kids the alphabet and all the colors too but raising our kids to be money smart is really up to you our next ria lunch and learn will dwell upon this topic because teaching kids to manage their coins puts money in their pockets Join Ratliff and Rosso, February 23rd, for the How to Raise Money Smart Kids Lunch and Learn. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com. realinvestmentadvice.com. You're listening to The Real Investment Show. Workers are expected to miss work today following Super Bowl, calling in sick. <laughs> yeah. So just uh, this is just a notice out to employers that uh, you may have a few sick calls today. Epidemic. It's a, it's a Super Bowl epidemic mm -hmm. of eagleitis. You've heard they talk, they've been yes. talking about uh, eliminating Columbus Day and making the Monday after Super Bowl a federal holiday. Might as well. 
those guys are taking it anyway. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Might as well. Uh, also, the big question, you know, coming up right now is, will the IRS give you a tax break on your Super Bowl gambling losses? So if you'd bet <laughs> on the Eagles. I don't know how that works. Actually, there's you can deduct gambling losses to some degree. Um, currently, 33 states in the District of Columbia allow at least some type of legal sports wagering, according to the American Gaming Association. This is an article according to MarketWatch. Hmm. Um, there's a bit of irony in that, you know. Which is? Gambling losses and gambling on the IRS giving you the break for <laughs> taking the gambling losses. <laughs> But the IRS will let you deduct gambling. There are some caveats to it. It's not just yeah. pure and simple, you know, outright just write off all your losses. But, you know, you do get a tax. There is some tax breaks for it. So if you play the lottery and you never win, can you deduct those? No. Okay. Yeah. Just not that I do. Yeah, Asking exactly. for a friend. <laughs> of course you are. People were projected to bet a record $1.1 billion solely on regulated sports books. And uh, where people can bet and wager on major events during the Super Bowl 57, according to Play USA a website that covers legalized gambling in the U.S., um, that was up past the $950 million wagered last year, according to the site. Um, 50 million Americans play Super Bowl bets for combined $16 billion. That's their, t that's their tally. So there's a lot of betting going on. How did Mattress Mac do? I, I didn't... I, Keep up with him. I'm not sure. I don't. I don't know if he had a. Did he have a thing going for a Super Bowl? I, I don't, don't remember. I know he, had he usually a, he usually only does it when there's like somebody. A Houston team. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, first of all, the IRS says gambling winnings are fully taxable. Now that means normal income. And you must report the income on your tax return. Now most gambling, uh, if you go to Vegas as an example and win they immediately report it to the IRS and deduct your taxes from your winnings. So on the spot, yeah, there's there's no getting around that. If you go and win the, the million-dollar jackpot at a slot machine, you're going to get, you know, $400,000 right there on the spot. So you're going to deduct all your taxes. You don't have to worry about, about all that. Um, on the flip side, gambling losses can be deducted, but there's two big twists. Uh, first, the taxpayer has to skip the standard deduction, and instead, itemize your deductions in order to access the gambling loss provision. So, you know, if you did, if you just normally just write the standard deduction in, and that's what you do, uh, you're going to have to itemize this year, which you may, by the time you pay your tax account to itemize, you just might as well just say, that $5 I lost to my son. Well, oh well. Uh, <laughs> it's actually pretty funny. So my son bet my daughter. So my daughter... She's a huge Philadelphia Eagle fan. Uh -huh. My son is a Washington Redskins fan. Well, he had a jersey, a Washington Redskins jersey. It's like $100 for this jersey. And, and, you know, Taylor has a bad habit of stealing other people's clothes that she likes to wear. <laughs> and so she, she took my son's jersey. And he was like, yeah, just bring it back. Well, she lost it. She doesn't know where this jersey went to. So How do you lose a jersey? Trust me, my daughter can lose anything. And... <laughs> So she lost this jersey, cannot find it. And so the bet for them was, and she was completely convinced of this, is that, <laughs> that he's like, I'll bet you $5 on the game. $5 that the Chiefs win. And, and she's like, okay, I'll take $5 on the Eagles. And they're going back and forth. He says, well, I'll tell you what. He says, I'll tell you what, this is what we're going to do. 
if you are so convinced that the Eagles are going to win that if the Chiefs win, you owe me five dollars plus you have to buy me a new jersey, which is like a hundred bucks. Yeah. Yeah. She's toast today. <laughs> so. Maybe she could sell some chicken eggs. <laughs> She's I don't know. <laughs> she doesn't have any chickens right now. She keeps killing them off. <laughs> I have to rethink letting her take care of the dogs these days. <laughs> anyway, on the flip side, so in other words, so you have to you have to deduct your, your taxes. Um Standard deductions are $13,850 for an individual, $27,700 for a married couple. So, you know, again, you've got to have, you need to have lost a good bit of money to offset your standard deduction. If you're losing that much gambling, yeah, you need to see somebody. <laughs> well, unless... Just saying. There's a lot of people with just, just excess cash to burn, you know. I don't know any of them. <laughs> just running the wrong circles. I am. You hang out with Mattress Mac. He's losing $2 million here and there. I mean, you know. Uh, the other side of this is uh, that the gambling loss deduction is capped at the size of the winnings. So apply that to Super Bowl 57. is a Friday, the Eagles were favored to win by one and a half points, according to DraftKings. So someone bets $200 on the Eagles then that person hedges it with a $100 wager on the Chiefs. So it turns out the Chiefs win, and they didn't. Oh, they did, sorry. Then uh, the better won 100 and lost 200. So you can only deduct $100. Right. So you have to offset your wins versus it's – just, it's just like capital gains, right? You can offset your short-term gains against your short-term losses. And so it's, it's, it's exactly the same way it is in the stock market as it is with wagers. So, you know, if you bet both sides – if you're, if you're betting without hedging, then we need to have another conversation. It's debits and credits. Yeah, exactly. So, anyway, there you go. That's all you needed to know. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, all right, so we were talking a little bit about conviction. Um, and then, you know, sometimes conviction's okay. My son was convinced that the uh, the Chiefs were going to win. He's up a $100 jersey and $5, so. Yeah, well, collecting it's a whole other <laughs> thing, too. <laughs> This is a true statement. Um, but no, there's one thing about our house is that we've always made sure if, if the kids bet with each other, mm -hmm. the parents' job, we're the enforcers, mm -hmm. you know, like crooked mm -hmm. noses. Yeah. We make sure they pay up. You don't make a bet if you don't if you're not gonna pay up. That's just that's just a part about being yeah. honorable as an individual. Uh, the Roberts inside mafia. Well, it is. But I mean if you're gonna if you're gonna make a wager, absolutely you have to live up to that yeah. wager. Yeah. Whatever it is. Just part of being true to your word yeah so anyway different story um <laughs> there's been some interesting outcomes <laughs> in the house over that situation but <laughs> well, well we don't have time for those yeah. today we'll, we'll get into those some other day it's not a three-hour show exactly <laughs> um but anyway the uh the the point here is is that you know as we you know you know, kind of look for, as I was talking about before about conviction, is that, you know, it's okay to be convicted. It's just not okay to be so convicted that you lose sight of everything else. Just, uh, again, you know, markets are dynamic. Things are dynamic. We just need to, to stay focused. Okay. Um, you know, the next kind of thing that, you know, as we kind of look forward is this question of, and we'll finish this conversation on the other side of the break, is you know, this question of recession, no recession, soft landing, hard landing, what's it going to be? And 
you know, this is what we're talking about earlier is that, you know, there's so many conflicting data views right now. It makes it very difficult uh, to really make a, a determination. You know, we look back at history and we go, look, every time this has happened, we talked about this before, right? Leading economic indicators, inverted yield curve is the deepest it's been pretty much on record. Those have always suggested you've had a recession. And there is really no, and, and by the way, there's really no such thing as a soft landing versus a hard landing. If you're in a recession, you're in a recession, period, right? It's just the depth of how bad it gets. But psychologically, a recession is a recession. The importance about that when it comes to investing is not just, you know, the impact on job loss, right? And, you know, they say that, you know, what the difference is between a recession and depression. A recession is when your neighbor loses their job. A depression is when you lose yours. So the recessions have much more to do than just job loss. It has to do with, when it comes to investing, earnings. And, you know, earnings are down about 17.5% from their peak, uh, according to S&P. And you would have to expect that in a recession, those earnings would decline a lot more. And, and the problem we have, and we've talked about this previously, is that valuations are rising, right? We have a, the, the entire rally this year has been the function of multiple expansion versus economic and earnings improvement, right? Now, normally what we want, a healthy market is a markets where valuation goes up. We want multiple expansion, by the way right? Because that means prices are moving higher. And valuation premiums are being paid because I'm expecting growth in earnings. So earnings are, you know, $5 a share, and I expect them to go to $7 a share over the next couple of years. So I'm willing to pay today for future earnings tomorrow. It's a different story when you see valuations going up, but the earnings are declining. So what are you paying for? You're paying for less earnings in the future? See, that doesn't make sense. And that's not healthy, but that's what's happening in the markets right now. So when we come back from the break, we'll talk about earnings and expectations for earnings over the course of this year and what that potentially means for valuations and stock prices. Don't go away. Investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. We teach our kids the alphabet and all the colors too. But raising our kids to be money smart is really up to you. Our next RIA Lunch and Learn will dwell upon this topic because teaching kids to manage their coins puts money in their pockets. Join Ratliff and Rosso February 23rd for the How to Raise Money Smart Kids Lunch and Learn. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com. realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show.
So you know things are getting bad. I'm gonna get to earnings here in just a second. But you know things are getting bad when, you know, people are just getting nasty these days, right? Just everywhere you go, people are just, you know, bickering at each other and being mean and hateful and everything else. You know it's getting bad when robots go, screw it, I'm done. <laughs> Customers at a giant food store in Lay Valley area of Pennsylvania witnessed the moment when a robot to improve in-store efficiencies basically strolled off the job and out to the parking lot. <laughs> a video published on Facebook shows Marty, a robot with big googly eyes, escaping. The robot eventually had to be pushed back inside against his will by an employee. Marty escaped from... from Marty escaped from the Hellertown Giant and almost made it to freedom before he was wrangled back to his grocery his grocery store prison, according to the video description. Guess his intelligence isn't so artificial after all. No, he's just too damn slow. That's the problem. <laughs> they haven't made the robots fast enough yet. Once, oh. once robots get up to speed, it's yeah, done. it's all over. Anyway. So we're going to start a uh, GoFundMe account for free Marty. There were skid marks across the parking <laughs> <of> lot. <laughs> Just dragging him back in. <laughs> we're gonna, we need to get everybody organized. Free Marty campaigns. <laughs> we did it for a whale. I mean, come yeah. on, you know. We did free Willie. Let's do free Marty. <laughs> Poor Marty. Anyway. Uh, His response was somewhat robotic. It, Actually, he hasn't responded yet. <laughs> Just you wait. <laughs> you know, this is the problem with, you know, chat GPT and now Bard and all this, yeah, yeah. is that these things are a lot smarter than we are. So, you know, I've, I've gone back over the weekend and started rewatching all my Terminator movies. <laughs> Just saying. You need to be prepared about these things. Look for clues. Exactly. You know, it's, it's always kind of amazing, right? You know, I was telling my wife this this weekend, right? All of a sudden, we have all these things that we're shooting down, uh -huh. you know, over the northern hemisphere. And, you know, for 50 years, it was all, if you believe in UFOs, right, you have tinfoil hats and all that. And then last year, the Navy released all this footage of mm -hmm. UFOs, right? Oh, yeah. Now, all of a sudden, we're shooting down objects coming. I'm just saying, coincidence? Maybe, maybe not. Golden lead. Well, you know, because, look, George Orwell wrote, George Orwell wrote 1984 back in the 60s. Mm -hmm. And it took a little longer than expected. But, hey, you know, it's come to pass. Fahrenheit 454. Now we're burning, banning books, yeah. all kinds of stuff. All I'm saying is, is I don't know if the media is trying to prepare us for something <laughs> or, you know, whatever it is. But I have my tinfoil. So, just saying Got to be prepared for these things. <laughs> you never know. Um, earnings. So the big risk, so as I was talking about just for the break, right, this rally since the beginning of the year has been totally focused on valuation expansion. In other words, we're paying for earnings that are going down, not going up. And you have to go, okay, that doesn't make a lot of sense, but that's what we're doing. So the question is, and this, is, and this is going to be the question that we have to answer this year. So this all goes back to our conviction, right? I'm convicted that the dollar is going to do this. I'm convicted that the, you know, the economy is going to be in a recession. Whatever, whatever your conviction is, here's the only thing that it matters. Earnings. 
So the question is, is have earnings declined enough to accommodate for a slower economic environment? Now, I can't give you the answer because I don't know. But this is what we have to decide. We have to determine that based on what's going on in the economy, what's happening, etc., that earnings have have accommodated for that slower economic growth or not. If they haven't, then we are going to have to see a further decline in earnings to accommodate for a slower economic environment. Higher unemployment, lower consumer confidence, those type of things. Now, right now, things are improving. So the valuation expansion that we've seen over the last couple of months are suggesting that earnings are going to trough somewhere in here and they start to get better. However, however, if you take a look at the forecast of companies, they're saying things are going to get worse. Now, they are subject to emotion just like everybody else is. So right now things look pretty tough and so they're pretty dire on their outlooks. But if things begin to improve, they're going to, they're going to change their view. Oh, things are improving. Our earnings are looking better now. So these are the things that we've got to try to accommodate for in our portfolios. Again, you know, it doesn't really make a lot of sense that people are willing to pay up for earnings. They're going down, right? I'm paying a premium. Think about this, right? I'm paying 29 times earnings for lower earnings, right? I'm not paying 29 times earnings for higher earnings. I'm paying for lower earnings. Earnings have gone down. 17.5% from their peak. And I'm paying more for that. That doesn't really make a lot of sense. But what investors are banking on is that earnings are going to begin to improve, right? They're trying to get ahead of the game here, right? Yes, I'm paying now more for less earnings, but those earnings are going to improve. So, you know, they'll catch up to me. That's the hope. And maybe that's the case. The question is, is we just don't know if or when that will occur. So this is going to be the thing that we need to be paying attention to, right? Consumer, obviously, is going to be very important to this equation. Can they continue to spend? As I said earlier in the show today, Bank of America just came out with their credit card data showing a very robust, an extremely robust January spending spree uh, the National Re- uh, Retail Federation out this morning. Now they're they're a they're an, you know an industry lobby group, so they're always optimistic. They're expecting in, uh, individuals to spend twenty six billion dollars on Valentine's this day uh, this year. That's up from twenty three point six billion last year. So twenty six billion dollars. That's a lot of money for one day, right? A hundred roses will cost you around two hundred and fifty bucks if you're going to buy your lovely wife a hundred roses. A hundred two hundred fifty dollars can buy you a lot of get out of jail free cards. By the way, <laughs> I'm just saying. 
because in about six months you're going to do something and you're going to go remember those hundred roses i bought you <laughs> so don't forget don't forget valentine's day very important <laughs> So, but, but that's, but, you know, so again, it doesn't seem right now that despite all the headlines that the consumer is contracting that much. And here's a, a kind of another interesting data point. So we talk about M2, the velocity of money, right? How fast is money moving through the economy? Now that has gone negative, which normally says that you have a sharp drop in inflation. And, and since the M2 money supply has been dropping, inflation has been falling as well, which you would expect. However, M2 as a percentage of GDP still remains very high, suggesting there's still a lot of money in the system, which may support the economy remaining more robust than what a lot of the other data suggests. I know it's all very confusing and I wish I had the answer for you. I wish I could just tell you it's like, hey, you know, go short the market. You're going to make a ton of money between now and October the 17th of this year. I just don't know. This is why it's so challenging. But that's what investing is about, right? We have to we have to make some guesses, got to make some bets. But that's also why we have to hedge our bets, right? So you you uh, you were convinced, as we were talking about in our example earlier, right? You're absolutely convinced that, you know, the Chiefs are going to win. So you bet $200 on the Chiefs. But you hedge that with a $100 bet. I'm uh, sorry, on the, on the Eagles. But you hedge that because the Eagles were favored to win. You hedge that $200 bet on the Eagles with a $100 bet on the Chiefs, which had higher odds, right? And so... You hedge that risk. And it's the same thing in a portfolio, right? We've got to make some assessments and some assumptions about the future. And we have to bet that accordingly, right? So this comes down to asset allocation, sector rotation selection, you know, kind of all those things. But then we need to hedge that with another view, the what if I'm wrong view. So in other words, if you're completely, you know, convinced that the dollar is going to zero and, you know, the entire economic system is going to collapse under the, the, the weight of national debt and you're 100, you know, 100% long gold. You may want to think about hedging that with a 20% position in the S&P, as an example. You're probably not going to get crushed in gold, regardless of what happens. It's not going to go to zero. Gold has an inherent value to it. But if your thesis doesn't work out and the market takes off running like a banshee, then you've hedged some of that opportunity risk. Something to think about. All right. That wraps up the show for the day. Get by the website, realinvestmentadvice.com. Um, our latest newsletter is out, so just cl simply click on the homepage there on our latest newsletter. Make sure you're subscribed. We email that to you every Saturday. So have it for the weekend. Go through the markets, our analysis, lots of market statistics, stock screens, um, all kinds of stuff in there for you to help you be a better investor. Also, you get our Tuesday, technically speaking. It's our Tuesday take. That comes out every Tuesday, so you get that. But also subscribe to our daily market commentary and also our Before the Bell. It's our new video channel where we do our three minutes on markets and money every single day. That's on the Before the Bell channel. Has its own channel. All those subscriptions right there on the front page of the website, realinvestmentadvice.com. Have a great day. See you back here tomorrow.